Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> we got Bow Wow in the house. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of your favorite college baseball podcast, your favorite baseball podcast, Believe in College Baseball, with your hosts, Alan Styles and Orlando Razo. If you are listening to us, you're probably listening on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, or Luminary. But if you didn't know, you can listen on all those platforms. Now you know. While you're there, be sure to rate us. Give us five stars. If you like us, if you don't like us, don't give us five stars, but at least let us know why. Orlando, we have come to another week of baseball in general. You know, things are heating up, obviously, with Major League Baseball. Um, D1 Baseball released their prospects for 2021. But we have a special guest, thanks to you. Why don't you tell the listeners what we have on the docket today? Yeah, another very, very special guest. Um, you know, we want to thank him for for taking the time in a, in a pretty turbulent time that we're living in. Um, but this guy's the man. He's been around the block. Uh, a lot of people are saying that he's one of the youngest, uh, you know, flashy, not flashiest. That's not the right word. Um, but one of the best young pitching coaches in in the baseball world right now. A lot of people are talking about that. Uh, he's currently the pitching coach at Sac State. He's played overseas. He's played everywhere. Um, so he's got uh, an extremely advanced baseball mind. Um, that's Coach Tyler Latore. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time. No problem. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Well, let's, uh, let's jump right into it. Um, you know, we'll get into to right now, you know, your your the pitching coach at Sac State, and that's amazing. It's been great to, to see the way you've risen throughout throughout the college ranks and, uh, and from when, when we coached that camp together. For the listeners, myself and Tyler, uh, we, we led a historic UC Davis prospect camp together, uh, one of the best prospect yep. camps ever, ever assembled. Um, so Absolutely. there's that. But you – you played everywhere. You played in the minor leagues, and, and that's awesome. But there's a place that you played that I have always been, like, in my baseball um, exotic fantasies. Um, I envision there to be an extremely successful, like, uh, almost like NBA-type Euro League in, um, in Italy, like a, a baseball league in Italy. And you played in Italy. You played yep. in the Italian League. That's one of the coolest things ever to me. Um, so can you go into that? What was that like? I know I read on your Wikipedia that you played in Bologna, but I remember you said Verona as well. So can you go into that? Um, because that's something that, that a lot of people don't know about. Yeah. So, um, um, back in 2009, uh, when I was playing with the San Francisco Giants organization, 
um, the bench coach for Team Italy, the World Baseball Classic Team Team Italy, um, was also our short season um, A-ball manager. His name's Tom Troublehorn, um, managed in the big leagues with the Orioles, um, been around. Um, and he came up to me after the World Baseball Classic and said, hey, uh, I know you're Italian. Why didn't you, uh, you know, do you know your lineage? And I said, no, I don't. He's like, well, we need you for 2013. So it was about a two-year process of me getting my dual citizenship. So right now I have my U.S. passport and I also have an Italian passport because I ended up getting my um, dual citizenship with Italy. Um, so I played in a couple of na- uh, European championships with the national team, um, played in the World Baseball Classic in 2013. Um, so I had a couple, you know, a couple of teammates and friends that had played over in Italy in the in their league and they were trying to get me to go over there and I was still in affiliated ball. And in 2015, I retired from the, uh, I was in double A with the Brewers and took a job with the San, uh, San Francisco State Gators um, as their pitching coach and recruiting coordinator. Um, and that next summer, um, I actually talked uh, talked to uh, um, our head coach who actually coached uh, Razo, Orlando, um, Tony Schifano. I talked yes, him into uh, letting me go, letting me, yeah, letting me go to uh, Italy to play um, a couple weeks um, because I don't count as a foreign player. So in Italy, you, um, you're only allowed a certain am- amount of, foreign players, foreign born players. So I didn't count as one of those players. And, uh, so they had a champions, um, champions tournament, um, in, uh, San Marino and Rimini. Um, so there's two, two stadiums that are pretty close to each other. One in San Marino, which is, which is a, which is a country that's surrounded by Italy. Um, and then Rimini is another baseball town. Um, so I ended up going over and playing for Bologna. Um, but we, you know, there were some games leading up. I hadn't, I hadn't played in a year. So um, during the during our season at San Francisco State, I started playing catch and hitting in the cage after practice, and just kind of getting my body ready to you know go play for three weeks. Ramping um, up. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, what what you don't realize is after you get done playing and stop lifting, the way that you lift when you're a professional player, you actually loosen up and you're actually a better player. <laughs> so I was always lifting and trying to get strong, and then I figured out I was actually a better player when I was just relaxed and and turned into a coach. Um, so I went over to Italy and I played in a couple of warm-up, uh, the, the league games. So I played in Parma, um, and that's when I played in Verona, like, uh, uh that Orlando, uh, mentioned. Um, did you, did and you then go to, the... sorry to interrupt you. You can please continue. Yeah, did no you problem. happen to visit the gravesite in Verona? Yeah, I did. So that was the other part of the, that was the other part of the story is, uh, league games, um, in that Italian league are only Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, and they're all at like nine o'clock at night. Cause if you play at seven o'clock in Italy, that's dinner time. There's no Italian family that's going to come to the game. Um, so they, they have late starts. Um, and so on Sundays, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, it's all either practice or, you know, maybe days off. So my wife came with me. Um, so it was kind of a, uh, kind of a, you know, dual vacation with my wife. She was seven months pregnant. So it was kind of like that baby moon. Um, they call it instead of a honeymoon, they call it the baby moon. So we actually got to go on some day trips. So I went to Verona, uh, did all the Verona sightseeing stuff. We went to Rome, we went to, um, uh, Florence, we did the whole touristy stuff, but I was still playing baseball and hitting balls on the barrel and throwing dudes out and doing all the things that, you know, you wish you could still do now that I'm retired for the last five years. That is so, that sounds so cool. Like, <laughs> It was awesome. That, that really does. That sounds awesome. It was awesome. So actually, 
if you ever get a chance to do this, Roz, um, a lot of the foreign-born players, um, they they play those three or four games during the week. And then once you're in Europe, traveling is really cheap. So, like, oh, yeah. you can get, like, a cheap flight. You can get a cheap flight to the Netherlands or uh, to Spain. So, guys would, you know, get early flights on Saturday, Sunday morning and do Sunday, you know, fly to, you know, uh, Berlin or fly to um, wherever. And then they're back by Tuesday's workout. Wow. So it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's I, super cheap, like super cheap. I had a, a couple buddies that actually played in, in Switzerland. I'm sure that's, it's different. Um, but yeah. how come is there, is there some sort cause I don't know much about it and I guarantee you a, a whole sure. lot of people don't know a whole lot about it. Right. Is there some so, sort of movement to try and continue to grow that? Just because, like, I, I don't know why, but that that fascinates me. Like, if I was a fringe NBA player, like, dude, I'd be a twenty-year Spain league vet. I'll I'll take I'll take that any day of the week. That's awesome. I'll make my I'll get the bag in Spain and and live there. Like, is there any movement to try and grow those uh, those European leagues? Just because um, you know they're not that that prominent. Yeah, I think I think there's all. Um... The, the biggest thing is, is the scouting that happens over there. So um, usually over the years, it's been kind of, you know, uh, you know, like guys like me that kind of, you know, at the last end of their career, they go over there. I think uh, former Brig Leaguer uh, Ronnie Cedeno was our shortstop on that team. Um, there, there's guys that, you know, maybe fizzled out in double A AA or triple A that go over there and kind of finish up their careers there. Um, but there's also a big movement with the national team of kind of cultivating the younger um, Italian born players, um, you know, that the, there's a lot more, um, you know, Italian born players signing, um, you won't see them or hear about them yet because they're still pretty young, but mm-hmm. Italy is a soccer country. Right. Italy I was going to say, country. it's going to piss off Inter Milan. Yeah. So, so you have to, you have to kind of tread lightly, but you also have to try like when we, in 2013, um, team Italy win the world baseball classic, like we won our pool play. And our pool was Canada, Mexico, and USA. And we ended up going on to the next round. And, and, you know, we actually competed really well with Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico, ended up losing one run games to those guys. And they're both in the championship. So I was asking one of our, uh, our pitching coach, Bill Holmberg, who's actually back to being the pitching coach under uh, Mike, Mike Piazza is now the, the national, uh, national team manager. So that's going to bring some publicity to the team, having Mike Piazza as the manager. But I asked if there was any – publicity about us doing so well in the world baseball classic and and they said no it's it's just not you know there's no media for it um so the more that we can get um scouting over there the more that baseball can be pronounced and um doing camps and getting kids interested in baseball um because it's just it's you know it's america's pastime baseball is america's pastime and so um you know for us to go over there and and in italy and and other you know i mean Netherlands is really good at, at baseball. They have Netherlands, um, you know, players from, you know, Amsterdam and Rotterdam and all those, but they also have Curacao and, you know, Aruba um, because they're, they're Dutch, Dutch, uh, you know, colonized them. Um, so they have really good baseball and, you know, Germany has Max Kepler. Yeah. Germany has Max Kepler. Who's, you know, hitting 40 homers in the show right now. So it's just, it's going to take a little bit of time. It's kind of like soccer in the United States. The MLS is kind of, you know, just slowly gaining steam. Um, the more that we can get it over there in Italy is, is, is the better. And the more that we can get 
Italian-born players, uh, you know, kind of moved up to the big leagues um, and and go through the the minor league system, the better. Because I was going to say, when you watch the Little League World Series, I feel like the European team is almost always from Italy. And I don't know if that's because Italy has the best players or really there's not too much competition out there in Europe for baseball. So it sounds like, so to me, it sounds like with all that being said, Italy is still farther ahead than some of these other European countries. Oh yeah. Um, When any of, anytime there's like a a world cup event for, uh, you know, national teams or, you know, like the European championship, it's always Italy and the Netherlands. Um, And obviously in the little league world series, um, the Netherlands doesn't have those players from Curacao because Curacao has their own little league system. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the national team, they can bring um, they can bring over those minor league players or those big league players and actually have them play for the Netherlands national team. So, um, you know, Italy, Italy does compete very well um, in the little league world series because they are more advanced. We have a training system. There's um, you know, there's American born players that have gone over there and lived their rest of their lives over there um, and try to help build that brand in that, in the, in the, um, you know, there's a national team training facility with baseball and softball. Softball's really advanced. Softball's really good um, on a national scene and in baseball, like I said, like those national team events, it's the two teams that are usually in the finals every year is, is Italy and, and the Netherlands. Right. Yeah. As soon as I saw that you won the, the Euro, the Euro, you're a Euro champion. Um, yeah. I, I went and looked up the history of that tournament and like, yeah, yep. like you said, you know, it's always Netherlands and Italy. It looks like, well, it does look like Russia had a good run in the nineties here, but we all, I mean, yeah. come on, yeah. well, I wonder why. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, no, this is, uh, I mean, you alluded to it as well. You played in the 2013 world baseball classic and some of the names. Yeah on on that roster it's it's like an uh a, a go, you're going in a time machine baseball time machine is am i aware yep. uh frank catalanato was one of your yeah was one of your coaches he was our yeah. first base first base coach yep i mean that guy and yep. ken griffey jr slugfest obviously um you, oh, know, yeah, you, had, you had piazza on the staff um, what was that like? Yep. You also had Anthony Rizzo on the team. So go into that experience of the WBC and how it's different from, you know, playing. Obviously, that you have you're, you're playing for your country. That's the obvious difference. But the atmosphere yes. of the games, um, how how cool is that? It was incredible. Um, the 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 first taste of it was that European Championship in 2012, where you know we were playing. It was actually in Amsterdam, and there was eight. 10,000 people in the stadium and they were nonstop yelling the whole entire game. Like it was nonstop noise and they were on us because, you know, we're, you know, we were already like nine and no in the, in the, in that week. And then we ended up winning it. And then there's a stand, they, they stand and clap for you because they know how hard you worked and they respected it. And then you get into the world baseball classic where we were in Miami Marlins stadium playing against Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic. And you go home after the game and your ears are still buzzing. You know, there's four or five bands, there's nonstop kazoos and noise. And um, it was just, it's an atmosphere um, where you're not, you know, you, in, in the minor leagues, there's a lot of selfishness um, playing for the name on the back of your Jersey. 
Um, and when you get to those national team events, you're, everybody's pulling for the country and for the team. And we had a, we had a manager in Marco Mastieri that, that pushed all the right buttons and got us to believe that we could compete at that highest level. I mean, we 10 run ruled Canada and Canada's roster was loaded. Um, and you know, we, we ended up losing to, we ended up losing to uh, team USA because David Wright hit a grand slam on a hanging changeup. I should have maybe called a different pitch, but, um, we, we had a lead on them too. Um, and so, um, you know, Sergio Romo comes in for the close against Mexico and we put two up in the ninth and close it out with Jason Grilly. So you just, the, the, the vibe of those games, um, the, the willingness for players to, um, just, you know, put everything on the line. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was really fun to be a part of it. And for the players that were the national, you know, the, the Italian born players to come over here and play at that level and play it, you know, play at that, the highest level. I mean, there was a, our second baseman actually came in for defensive purposes. Uh, he'd never played minor league baseball, only ever played um, in Italy. Uh, defensive replacement and bases loaded two outs. We're up by one in the ninth inning against Mexico and he gets the ground ball. And like nobody, like, you know, just like he had been doing it his whole entire life, he picks up the ball and throws it to first base and we win. Like, can you imagine the nerves of a 20 year old kid playing on a national stage for the first time with the bases loaded against Mexico in, you know, in Scottsdale um, at the, you know, it was, it was crazy. It's, it's just that brand of baseball is just so uh, few and far between that you want to, it's like playoff baseball in October for the big leagues. It's, it's incredible. Well, yeah, you have, you have that. And then on the other hand, you know, you have those Latin American countries and like, I mean, that's, that's like must watch TV, the way they're celebrating the game of baseball. Everybody's out of the dugout on every run scored um, after every big punch out. Um, The fans are into it. Um, Everybody's pulling for each other. They do it. They do it for each other. It's not for their own stats. It's not for their own, um, you know, their own endorsements. It's everybody's playing for each other. It's awesome. It's really cool. Well, just uh, to, I guess, a, a small pivot for a second, because whenever we talk about the World Baseball sure. Classic, I feel like every time, every year we have this conversation where, just like we said, you got the Javier Baez's and all all the players, really. There's just the, the quote-unquote unwritten rules baseball etiquette kind of goes out the window. And I think I remember Ian Kinsler or – Brian McCann, somebody saying something during the last one. And I'm curious what your take is on that whole idea of baseball etiquette and, you know, um, not, not looking at your home runs, things like that. Because in the World Baseball Classic, I feel like that's the one time for, for some reason, the players that do play like that, they kick it up a notch. I think it's, it's probably just like anything else. If you're kicking it with your boys, that you're all together mm-hmm. – the, the, the energy is just different than when you're on teams that, you know, every, everybody's just, you're not, you're not choosing to play with them. So I'm kind of interested in what you think about that. And if you think it's good for the game, because it is, even though it's some, they bring some like Javier Baez is like that during the season, but all of them, it was just like kind of on another level during that. So what did you think about that? I think it shows your raw emotion and how much, you know, how much, preparation goes into playing on that kind of stage and let you know letting your letting your raw emotion take over of of you know I I think back to you know uh Joey Joey Batista 
Joey Bats, like bat flipping, in, you know, in that playoff game. Like, I don't think he hit that homer and like was like, oh, I'm going to bat flip here. Like, that's just raw emotion. Like, right. And I understand it. Like, if you're, if you're, if you're you know, in a, a 162 season and you're hitting a home run in an eight nothing game and you, you know, th- there's a little difference between, you know, hitting a home run or getting a big time hit in the World Baseball Classic um, or, you know, like on the game, on the, I have a game on the TV right now that the, it's four to one in the eighth inning and, and the Cubs are beating the Brewers. Like, you know, Arcia hits a home run here and he bat flips and, you know, you know, yells it, you know, that's, that's, that's one of those instances where it's like, what, what, what are we doing here? Yeah. Um, but when you're playing for, when you're playing for a country or you're in playoffs, um, the crowd is into it, you're into it, you know, the hard work that's put that, that goes into up, getting yourself and your team into a position to be in playoffs or, or on the national stage, the world stage in a world baseball classic, those are raw emotions that need to be a part of the game. Um, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. Um, I don't think there's anything, you know, there, everybody reacts to certain situations in different ways. I was not that type of player. Um, I wasn't grown up that type of player, but that doesn't mean that someone else doesn't have those emotions that are different than mine. And who am I to judge them? A lot of the times too, I feel like, I mean, you've, you do some cool stuff like on a baseball field. Sometimes you just black out. Like I imagine that all the time. Like if I play it, I can't, I don't have the physical, I probably have the vision um, and the mental uh, capacity, but I, I don't have the physical tools to be in the NFL. Um, right. But that, with that being said, um, that was an understatement, by the way. What? I mean, just casually, I don't have the tools to play in the NFL. Of course you don't. <laughs> well, I'm just, yeah, I, thought, <laughs> I, I thought I would, I thought I would put that out there, you know, for the listeners just to, <laughs> to, to give them a visual. Stay humble. Stay humble. Stay right. humble. Yes. Thank you. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but just to make, I, I don't even know where I was going with that now, Alan, because I, I, I but anyway, I couldn't play in the NFL. Um, and, you know, to make that analogy uh, for baseball, you black out sometimes when you do cool stuff on the field. Like sometimes the yeah. emotion just takes over. You don't even remember what you do. You just react. So like if I played in yeah. the NFL, I made like a cool tackle. I couldn't even imagine like after like a big hit on a third down or something like that like my reaction yeah. like obviously you get used yeah. to it after a while but sometimes it just takes yeah. over like you can't can't control it sometimes right yeah and there's a yeah. fine line between no, like we totally talked about if you're not running out hard 90s like that type of showboating stuff is just stupid but if it's all within just your emotion it's kind of we we had this going at the beginning of the year because uh, i think somebody did it at the beginning of this season which seems like eons ago but i know you probably watch a good amount of college baseball tyler but last year yeah. i believe during the college world series when uh orlando <laughs> the, you can help me out with the team when the, the guy got the yeah. louisville just said no not uh, that guy not oh, the yeah. he just not said the f you yeah no uh, um, that, guy, that, was, that was a little yeah that was much but the guy who got hit by a pitch and then sprinted down the line and we had people on the show pretty soon at, or this next season because somebody else did it this year and it just didn't hit the same, right? Like we had never seen that before. The guy got hit during the College World Series and you truly believe that he was just amped up and he sprinted and the whole, the whole dugout went wild. Everybody that was there for them went wild. 
And then once that happened, to see it during a regular season game was kind of like, okay, it's kind of like a weird version of showboating. Yeah, yeah. Yes, eyewash, yeah. Complete. Is yeah, that- it's just, it's, it's eyewash. It's, you know, like, I bet you, the, you know, I bet you the, the young player last year in the College World Series, you know, he did it to kind of rile up his, his teammates. Um, but to do it in a regular season game, like, you know, that's just, everybody look at me. You know, right. this game, this game is not look at me. This is, this is uh, hard work, um, co- competition, um, and the hitter versus the pitcher, the hit, the pitcher versus the hitter. And let's get after it. That's yeah. great. Um, we're going to go now like straight into your, your tenure um, at Sac State. You, you had alluded earlier. Um, you went to San Francisco State with uh, another fellow Aggie, um, Coach Tony Schifano. Um, then you made your way over yep. to San Jose State. Uh, you were there for two seasons. Yep. Okay, solid. Yep. Um, yeah, so now this was your only first season at Sac State. Hell of a first season. I mean, what what a, a circus act of a first season. Yeah. But with that being said, th- these were your 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 team ERA was two five eight, and your starters ERA were one seven five one one four one five seven. Obviously, props yep. goes to your guys. Awesome credit to them. They probably worked their ass off in the fall. Um, and no and doubt going into the spring. And I have no doubt that you were on them about that. Um, but that's a hell of th- those numbers are awesome. And it's not like that's your non-conference schedule. Talk about the start of the season and, um, and, and I guess how your pitching staff just came out absolutely chucking out of the gates. Yeah, I think it was a testament to what the, 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 like you said, the preparation in the fall, um, you know, the, the worst, the worst time for a college coach is that, um, after, uh, fall, um, uh, the fall, um, semester, uh, finals. Um, and then the players go home for Christmas and you're not allowed to work with them. Um, and they're just, you're at the mercy of whatever they do to prepare for the season. And it's a testament to a our pitching staff and our, and our team in general of, of the work that was put in um, over that December and early January period to get them ready for, uh, for preseason. And then when the season uh, kicked off, like we, our guys were ready to go. Um, and um, the, the season before um, they did something pretty special of, you know, losing the first game of the WAC tournament and then winning six straight games in, in three days um, to win uh, the conference tournament and go to a regional. So, the, I mean, and, and we returned we returned everybody but three players. So two pitchers got drafted and a senior outfielder uh, graduated. Uh, so we returned everybody. So there was some, there was some uh, maturity amongst the, the team um, that kind of led the younger players and kind of, you know, gave them a, a sense of, you know, what it takes to be um, a high-level Division One competitive team. Um, and everybody holds each other accountable and it's not, it's not anything that, you know, that is talked about or, um, you know, really driven in it's, it's, it's organic. And I think that that's something special that we have built here at Sac State is, um, the accountability, the, the tradition, um, every, every one of our pitchers knows that, um, coach Christensen, our head coach is going to put them out on the mound in a situation that they, that we as a coaching staff know that they're going to succeed. Um, we don't set anybody up for failure and the players know that. 
Um, and that's built in in the fall of, of you know, the, the, um, the trust um, that the players have in our coaching staff of we're going to pound the strike zone um, with intensity, um, with execution, and we're going to trust that our defense is going to play elite level um, defense behind us. Um, and I think, you know, I think we walked, I think it was 19, you know, maybe like not even 20 guys this year. Um, and I think our pitching, our starters maybe walked one guy, um, or maybe three guys. I, I don't know. I don't know the stats exactly, but, um, we pounded the strike zone and it wasn't just with the fastball. It was with, um, with the, the whole, you know, the whole repertoire of whatever the pitcher had. Um, and our pitchers know that they have confidence. In, and the reason why we're calling that pitch is because we feel like that's the right pitch that, um, is for that situation. Um, because they know that every pitch matters. Um, and so to have the start that we had to, to have it finished the way that it finished was really tough, but our guys are going to come back stronger. Um, we've had some guys pitching out in the summer that have been really, you know, exciting to hear about and follow. Um, we had one of our, one of our pitchers got picked up by the pirates and I couldn't be more excited for Parker Brahms, um, in his journey that he had as a Hornet. Um, and now he's on the Pittsburgh pirates. So I'm really excited to see what he can do moving forward, but we return a lot of, you know, a lot of really good um, players on the mound and pitchers on the mound. Um, and I'm really excited to get back to work whenever that, whenever that is. Right. And, and you're honestly making these, uh, these transitions pretty easy. Um, Cause I do have a couple of pitching questions specific, just as you know, sure. I'm, a, I'm a pitching guy. Um, I love it. Yeah. Could talk, could talk all day about a lot of stuff, but obviously pitching is one of those. Um, you being a catcher, it's, um, it's pretty cool. You know, I always really like it when catchers are pitching coaches um, just because you guys, you guys get pitchers, you're talking to them all the time. You have to deal with them and like low key, you guys kind of have like a personality, like a pitcher, like you want to, to, to kind of dive into the shenanigans, but you have to be serious because you're like the captain of the team. Is that yep. fair? Yeah. Is that kind of fair? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and I think... but <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. No, go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, but I guess the, the main theme of that is constant communication. Um, that's something that catchers know uh, better than, than anyone. And that's something that they, the, the great ones are always in constant communication with their pitcher because you can have a set game plan going into, you know, facing a team that you have a full scouting report on the moment you get in the middle of a battle and you see what they're doing, you got to make in-game adjustments. You have to throw out sometimes, you know, you have to just go pitch to pitch, adjust pitch to pitch and batter to batter. Um, And that, the way you do that is through constant communication with yourself, with the catcher and with the pitcher. Um, How much are you stressing that with your, with your guys, Um, you know, in bullpens and team meetings, et cetera? Uh, You hit the nail on the head. Um, communication, um, is the most important attribute, um, that a team can have, but even more the pitcher catcher relationship is probably the most important relationship on the field. Um, I, my experiences through college and pro ball, um, of being a catcher has, has, um, readied me for this experience that I have as a pitching coach now. Um, and I instill that in our catchers. And I instill that in our pitchers. And it doesn't just start when they get on campus. Like, through the recruiting process, I'm, you know, the communication is there. And um, 
a lot of the a lot of the commits that we have coming in um, over the next few years and this year this year too, they understand that the communication has already happened. Um, so they already have a little bit of trust in the process of what's going to happen over the next three to four years, um, and that just continues to build um, as the season progresses um, and as the as the career progresses. So um, you know the communication, and it's not it's not always just you know the rah rah talking. Um, it might even be nonverbal, um, a head nod, a wink, um, a fist pump, you know, a, a pound of the glove. Um, it, it could be a lot of different um, aspects of, of communication that, that really allow each player um, to succeed. Um, there was plenty of pitchers that I caught that I knew that I could go out to the mound and really get on them. Um, and then there was pitchers where I had to go out there and kind of um, pat them on the back and tell them that everything was going to be okay. And, Hey, don't worry about that. You know, don't worry about that pitch. You know, it was down. It was a good pitch when in reality, it might've been just right down the middle and, and, and a cookie for the guy to hit, but you get, you build up those, those relationships and that communication skill um, throughout your career with each pitcher, because each pitcher is going to react differently. Um, and so I've kind of built that into what we do here at Sac State and in the coaching process, the, um, you know, the process of, of the weight room, the process of the throwing program. Um, some guys will react to certain situations differently, or, um, you know, I might say one thing to one player and say something um, different to another player, but the meaning's the same. So um, I think that's, that's one of the um, good things about our program here at Sac State is, is that we are individually progressing each player um, to the best of their uh, own capabilities. And in doing so, um, each player knows that it's going to help the team win. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like, sounds like a winning coach to me and a winning philosophy for sure. You know, and, and going back to just the team culture as a whole, uh, obviously we spoke about the success that Sac State had last year going to regionals. And you talk about, when you get to this level and you start seeing success, A, how to sustain it and B, to not get to, cause to sustain it, you have to not be complacent, but also to move forward, you have to not be complacent. And Orlando and I, we have people on this show and we talk a lot about being a grinder, you know, all, all three of us, UC Davis, Temple and Sac State, mid, the mid majors of the world. And you look at right. Cal, right? Cal, Stanford. I was in Philly, so we had Penn State. And you're the, you're kind uh -huh. of not the little brother, if you will, for lack of a better term. Is there any of that that goes not not by name, right? You're not going out and saying we want to beat Stanford, you know. But is there just kind of that grit that comes with it as well? Like we want to prove that we can play with anyone, you know. We're all D1, and we're going to show you that we can perform just as well or better than you. And we're going to work every day to make sure that we get there. 100%. I think that that goes into building the, the, the culture of the program. And I think that that, that was the cornerstone of what coach Christensen has done here in the past 10 years is build up a reputation um, and a culture here that us beating us going out and competing on a national uh, level um, us going out and beating power five schools is, is not really like a motivational tool anymore. It's an expectation. 
And I think as, as programs start to build that confidence, um, you know, you use it as a motivational tool. Hey, we're picked last in the conference. You know, the preseason rankings were picked last. Like you can use that as motivation. Um, but at some point you turn that motivation into an expectation and um, that expectation is fulfilled because of the players you have that, that have the belief not only in themselves, but in the program itself. Um, and I think that's something that we've done here at Sac State. Like we, we can go into any ballpark and it's not, oh, wow, like we're, you know, we're at, we're at Sunken Diamond, you know, at a regional, like what are we going to do? Like let's take pictures and be happy that we're here. That's not the – we walk in there to go, to go win. And we trust and we believe in ourselves that no matter we're, – we're playing more against the game and ourselves than we are against the opponent. Um, and I think that's really something that a lot of teams are striving for. Um, and hopefully we can continue to develop that here at Sac State and continue with – continue it with this year's team. And then obviously the teams that are going to be coming out in after that with the recruits and um, you know, the current players. And I'm, I'm really excited about what, what is, what has transpired here over the, you know, the last year that I've been here. Um, and obviously the, the, the years before me were even, you know, more um, crucial to the development of this team. Yeah. You say uh, just circling back to, you said something sustainability. Um, and that's something yeah. that coach Kristen Christensen has, really done. I mean, Sac State's an, a great yep. baseball program, a great baseball program. Um, and, and the way that, the way that you sustain, let, let's be real here in, in college athletics is, is recruiting. And he's been able to mine Sacramento um, pretty much and get the bet, which is a, a hotbed of talent. So he's been able yep. to get, you know, guys like Reese Hoskins to come play for him. Um, and, yep. and that's a, that's an important part. Are you the recruiting coordinator, by the way? now yes yes oh nice yes. okay so yeah i do yeah. Uh, we're gonna do a little role play um now okay. if that's okay with you so we're big role play guys sure. um so i am let's see i am a 5 11 um mexican-american left-handed pitcher from chula vista california mid 80s uh pretty good snapdragon bueno cambio um, and, and wow. yeah, mid, mid to high eighties, you know, with, with some pitchability and, and some competitiveness, what's your, like and, and th thank you. Yeah. Rogelio, uh, he's, he's pretty good. He's, he's put up some numbers. Um, so <laughs> you're, you're coming and you're trying to recruit him. What's your, what's your recruiting pitch? What's your go-to, um, what's your go-to sell on, on Sac State? I think it's important to be able to be flexible, just like uh, you guys were talking about, like you treat it as a game. So you go in there with a game plan and, you know, you, you're talking to a recruit or you're playing, you know, you're pitching against, um, you're pitching against a team and they show you something that you weren't ready for, or you're talking to a recruit and you get a feel that, you know, school is really important to them. So um, you start talking about the school and you talk, start talking about the major and you start talking about what the degree will entail. Um, sometimes, you know, sometimes it sounds like, um, you know, the, the, all they care about is pro ball and what can you do for them to get you to get them to pro ball um, and what it's going to take to do that. So um, I would, I would first, you know, just start getting to know um, you as a person and what drives you. Um, and, you know, are you going to want to move um, from Chula Vista up to Northern California? What are your thoughts on that? Um, what are your thoughts, you know, what are your thoughts on, 
you know, do you need to, you know, do you want to pitch early in your career? Um, I think one of the things that you mentioned was sustainability. And I think one of the things that we've been able to do here is, is, is sustain the winning records and beating teams. And that's being able to give players early in their career, the experience so that when they're a sophomore junior, it's not their first time being on the, on the division one stage. They've already been there, done that. Um, and I think that it's important for players to want to play early in their career um, and have goals set. Um, we want guys that are driven to be really, really good um, because we're only allowed to have a certain amount of hours um, per week with the players. And there's going to be extra, there's going to be extra work that's going to be needed. It, it's not, it shouldn't even be called extra work anymore. It's the work that it takes to be really good. Um, so, you know, talking to you, I'd want to know what drives you, um, what, what, you know, how, what your parents do, um, you know, where, what, the, what's their background? Um, what do you want your major? Um, you know, what, what's your, you know, you got a right-handed batter up and you're, you know, you're, you've got a no two count with the runner on third base and the game's on the line. What pitch are you throwing? Do you um, ever what do you have do most that? confidence in? Do you ever give them that? Oh scenario? yeah. Of course. Like, of course. Loaded, yeah, I mean, uh, two out college yeah. World series game seven. What super, you super beautiful women in the stands. Don't get distracted. You get, you get, you get real, you get real, you hopefully get real answers and you can, you can sniff out the, the not so real answers. Um, you know, the one, you know, the guys that are like, Oh, well, I've never really thought about that. Well, you know, like I bet you Orlando knew exactly what pitch he was going to throw to punch every dude out. And that's what made him successful. Um, and I had plenty of teammates at UC Davis that were like that. Um, where we didn't even, most of the time we didn't, you know, as a catcher, like I was calling my own pitches. I didn't even probably need to call a pitch. I knew what the pitcher wanted to throw. And if we weren't on the same page, I was going out to the mound to figure out what was going on. Um, so that, so one, the pitcher had conviction in what he was throwing, um, but also know that, you know, Hey, I was thinking something else so that we can actually have a conversation and, and figure it out. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think going through those scenarios and saying, Hey, like, you know, your fastball command isn't, wasn't really good today. What were you thinking? You know, like I, you know, maybe, maybe I just saw this kid throw in a game and, you know, the umpire was really, really tight. And I saw him kind of get unraveled because he was worried about the umpire. Well, guess what? Umpires are going to miss calls and how you react to adversity in a game is important to, to us because we want someone that's going to rise to the occasion. And like you said, grind. And, um, you know, there's going to be times when you're going to go out there in the first inning and you're going to get your, you know, you're going to get rocked. Well, if you're a Friday night guy and you get rocked in the first inning, guess what? We're going to need you to get the next five innings so that we don't blow our bullpen the first, you know, the first game of a series. Um, so we're going to have to, you know, get you to have a short memory and go out there and still give us 85 to 90 pitches, um, maybe even 100 pitches and get us through this, you know, so that we don't have to waste our bullpen on the first game of a weekend. Um, so those are all those are all things that you talk about. And you want to see, you know, what's going through the head. Hey, uh, you know, I, I noticed that, you know, you went to the curveball more and, you you know, you stopped throwing your changeup. Yeah, well, I didn't really, you know, maybe he, you know, just felt good with it or he didn't even realize that he was doing that. You just kind of get in the brain of, of kids. Um, you're, you're talking, you know, there, there could be times where you're talking to anywhere between 15 and 18 year old young men and you want to get to know them. And in, and in doing so, they get to know you and what you're all about so that they can make the best decision for them in the college that they want to go to. Um, we want, we want kids that want to be Hornets. We want kids that, uh, want to be a part of something special. And um, it's not by, you know, it's by design that we have the players that we, that we have. Um, you know, we want kids that want to put in the, the work that it takes to be really good. Um, and we want guys that are driven um, to, 
to both on and off the field. Um, we truly believe that players that take care of it in the classroom, um, they easily translate that to the baseball field and the, the details that it takes to be a good baseball player, the same details it takes to be a diligent student. Um, and, you know, if you don't get, a, you know, if you don't get after it in the classroom and you skip corners in the classroom, you're going to do it on the baseball field too. Um, so we try to stay away from those guys that, um, those, those players that might, um, you know, cut corners on, you know, off the field. Um, Cause we, you know, missing reps in the weight room or, um, you know, not doing a full pre-throw or post-throw or, you know, maybe, you know, you ask them to throw 15 pitches in a pen and they only throw 10. Um, you know, it's, it's important. It's important because everything in our program matters. Every, everything matters. Every pitch matters. Every rep matters. Every, um, and that rep is not just, you know, t- taking ground balls or throwing, you know, catch play. It's, it's reps, reps in the weight room or PFPs or, um, you know, even shagging in on defense, you know, pitchers stay away from the outfielders so they get, you know, really good reads out here so that when you're pitching, they make a diving play instead of letting the ball fall in front of them and you give up a run. Um, everything matters. Um, and so um, we want to figure out that with, you know, the recruiting process so that when players get on campus, they know exactly what we're all about. They don't walk in here and it's something different than what we had talked about on the phone or in person on a visit. I think transparency in the, in the recruiting um, process is vital um, on both sides. Um, and if you're not getting transparency out of the player, um, you know that that's probably not going to be a good fit in the long run. Um, and it could be a guy that's, you know, 95 miles an hour and you got to be able to walk away because you just don't, you don't feel like that's the right fit. Um, mm-hmm. You might have a guy that, you know, you think is going to be the next Reese Hoskins, who's going to be a, you know, a 40 homer guy in the big leagues, but it, it might not fit our program. You know, the way that he is body language when you're watching him in a game down in Arizona in, in a tournament or something, or in his high school game, you know, there's something that just, you know, that, that just doesn't vibe well with what you've got going on. Yeah, that's, um, that makes complete sense. And I think, we interviewed we interviewed Denholm by the way Logan um, your boy he's he's, he's come to you he's right he's a hornet yeah he's officially he's a, hornet. a hornet wow that's uh, that's wild and, and by the way for the listeners uh, Coach Latore also played in the D two College World Series with UC Davis um, I don't know if I if I mentioned that at the beginning but just another one of his uh, his many accolades. My last question, really, you know, before we wrap this up, we won't take too much more of your time here, uh, but this has really been awesome, by the way. Thank you again. Um, Is your pitching philosophies, you know, uh, my, our director of player development with the Mariners, um, Andy McKay, he's, he's great. You know, some of the, his messages are, he's a Sacramento guy. Um, Yep. But he always says, you know, we could throw all sorts of technology at you um, and and use that to our development. Um, and it's proven that helps. There's no denying it. There's absolutely no denying it. Can it saved guys' careers? It's absolutely been. Um, it's it's helped more than it's hindered. Um, but at the same time, uh, Andy McKay would always stress the fundamentals of baseball. The fundamentals of pitching are always going to be the same. You know, you're going to have to be aggressive right. in the zone. You know, they give us these batting averages on counts, and it's like, well, no shit, the batting averages suck on 0-2. Um, so <laughs> yep. it's, it's, it's a lot of stuff like that. So 
and there's so much new age stuff. So talk about how, and you're probably, I would guess that you're an old school guy. How have you blended those sort of philosophies together um, and sort of using uh, new technology in terms of, of personal development and identifying your guys' strengths and weaknesses, um, but also really stressing the fundamentals of pitching and remembering, you know, this is a simple game. Yeah, I think, I think that's uh, it's something that all coaches need to do nowadays. Um, you know, I, like you said, I'm probably more towards the old school of pitch and play defense and, you know, play, play good fundamental baseball and uh, good, you know, two strike hitting is always important because, you know, 50% of your at-bats is going to be really good. Well, guess what? You, on the pitching side, you better be, you know, really good at putting guys away with two strikes um, because if, you know, you're getting foul ball, foul ball, foul ball, you know, ball, all of a sudden it's an eight pitch at bat and now your, your pitch count starts right, right, uh, rising up. So, um, you know, I, I think that it's important to be able to mesh and, and, and blend the old school and new school and just make it your own school. Um, you know, great. what That's for great. each coach, like what's, what's, in, what's important to you. So important to me. Um, and what's important to us is, is your strike percentage. Um, your strike percentage is vitally important. Um, I think swing and miss percentage on balls in the strike zone is vitally important too. Um, I think that is a great indicator on, on how good your stuff is. Um, as a pitcher, the hitter is going to tell you if you're good or not. Um, so if you're, you know, if you feel like you're throwing a good pitch and you've got good spin rate and you're, you know, your, your spin axis is good and your spin efficiency is good, but you're getting crushed. Like what's the point? Um, so it's, it's really important to understand like um, you can have all the, all the information that you want, but you still got to be able to compete your tail off and get that guy out. Um, so um, go, getting back to your question is, yes, we do a really good job of um, mixing, you know, giving feedback to our players um, and telling them what the data is showing. Um, what I really strongly feel is the data gives validity to a lot of coaches. Um, and I'm sure a lot of coaches or players listening to this, um, and it probably even both of you, you've been to a point where you're like, you know, like you had a player tell you, or you had a coach tell you, um, you know, something that you maybe were like, really? Like, I, I don't feel that. Or, you know, like, do I really need to change the grip on this? Or, you know, and, and the data is telling you, like, this is, this is going to be a better pitch. Um, you know, this, this swing is going to be better for you. Um, and you can actually see it and you can actually tell the player why, why is this changing? Why is this going to be different? Why, uh, how are we going to get to that point? Um, Cause I think that there's a lot of um, um, development that goes on that might just be over the course of getting older, getting stronger um, and playing more baseball and experience. So if you have those three things and you're just getting stronger, you're getting faster, um, you're getting more experience playing at a higher level that's going to make you better. But if you know the data is um, for a pitcher, if you know that you have a higher spin rate than most, then you know that you can actually um, maybe miss at the top of the zone more often than not. Now, does that mean that we need to throw every pitch above the belt? No, but you just, you know that you have a greater margin of error um, to throw the ball up in the zone. If you're a sinker baller and you know that you have a lower spin rate, you know that you need to be lower than low because if the ball elevates, you're going to get hit because um, the data is showing you that the ball is easier hit when the ball is elevated for hitters. Now, well, does that mean that you can't throw a ball up in the zone? 
you might throw a ball up in the zone and the guy misses. Like, great job. That doesn't mean that you want to do it all the time. But the data is showing you and giving you this feedback. Why not use it? Right. Well, and this is my last point to this. Um, sure. High spin rate guys, if you're watching the big leagues nowadays, especially relievers, like this is something that I've seen throughout pretty much most relievers because everyone's throwing just queso now is the catcher's just putting down the old, the old number one and setting up center target yep. because these guys' spin rates are so high. They just get swing and misses yep. wherever in the zone. So it's like you don't even have to worry about throwing to corners. Just get it in the zone, no. and you're going to get guys out. Right. Like That's all that matters. So they're just setting up middle-middle and just letting the fastball ride, letting the fastball sink, yep. and that's what's happening right now because they have this data like, look, dude, you don't have to paint corners. You throw like – no. no, once again, kind of no shit. You throw a hundred. If you throw it in the zone, like they're not going to hit it. Right. And I think that knowing that and having a greater margin of error, it's all about baseball is a lot about stats. Like if I throw this pitch and this count, um, this hitter, you know, hit, hits 031 against this pitch and this count. That's, you know, it's all about odds and making sure that you're, you know, you're putting yourself in the best position to succeed. That's why shifts are so prevalent in this game. You know, 99.9% of the time, this guy hits a ground ball right in this area. Let's put a guy there because that's where most of his ground balls go. Um, mm. So it's, it's all about weighing, weighing those, those stats. Um, but you can't shy away from what has gotten you to this point. So, you know, not everybody's going to throw 100 miles an hour. But if you do throw 100 miles an hour, this is where you can throw it and still be successful. Um, maybe not just on the, in the long run, but every once in a while, like you can miss a spot and that's when you have true stuff, um, going, you know, going up through the minor leagues with the San Francisco giants, like you knew this guy has stuff so you can miss a spot and you can still get a guy out for 99% of, uh, high school players. You have to execute a pitch. You can't just get away with throwing the ball down the middle and getting a swing and miss, um, until you get to that elite status where you can throw, a Mariano Rivera slider, you know, cutter and throw it all the time and still get guys out. Like you, if you have true stuff, you can tell the guy what's coming and still get him to swing and miss or get out. Like what Zach Rinke did last night. You know, he told the guy that a breaking ball was coming and threw a breaking ball uh, and the guy, the guy swung and missed. I don't know if he was you know? doing that. I think, I think Maldonado might've like, I, I doubt he might've Granky's a weirdo. It looked but like I think did. that Maldonado <laughs> might've thrown down the number one. And it was like, you see pitchers do the old brush down or brush up when they want to just yeah, eliminate yeah. the shake. So that could have been, he could have just been going two up and then he threw the, the number three slider. So I don't know. I, you know, I'm just going to, sorry. That was kind of, just kind of man yeah have you seen the giants raining on currently? twitter's parade but you, have you if you if you yeah if you if you know the giants lineup you could probably tell them what's coming and you're still going to be successful yeah That's yeah I, I think That's that makes the whole point. thing more believable but yeah coach the, <laughs> last, the last question i had for you was i know you know this has been super refreshing not really bringing up what is currently going on obviously the pandemic but let's just pretend we're in a world where we know college baseball is going to happen in 2021. Yeah. And my yeah. question to you is, you know, we've had uh, my coach from junior college uh, on the sh on the show and we spoke about, you know, a lot of bounce backs, right? And we kind of spoke about, I guess, 
a lot, some of these bounce backs from, I guess it depends on really just how many people you, you have and how many people you, you were planning on bringing in anyway. It seems like in your position, you didn't lose that many players. So maybe you weren't bringing in that many players this season anyway. But I'm curious from a recruiting standpoint, what challenges, um, I, I'm sure there's going to be many, but what challenges uh, you're going to have to to deal with going forward? Because I think every t- every school might have a bit of a um, log jam because of this situation yep. and how, what is the best way to handle it? Yeah, I think it's, it, it's very, it's going to be very um, interesting to see how each school tackles this because essentially what you have is you have uh, your current roster not gaining a year, a year of eligibility and you're bringing in a new class. So we're going to have a lot of freshmen on the roster this year. So we have the freshmen from last year that are freshmen again, coming in with freshmen that are coming in. So you're, we're going to have a very large freshman class um, to come to, to come and be a part of a team that's returning a lot of guys. Um, we actually had a couple seniors go ahead and graduate. Um, one had a really good job lined up in Texas. Um, he's going to be a, a very phenomenal businessman. Um, another, uh, another left-handed pitcher was already in his sixth year. He had de- dealt with some injuries uh, previously. Um, he pitched really well for, the, the sh- uh, well for us this year, and I'm really happy for him. But, you know, he wasn't going to come back for his seventh year, um, which is crazy to think. Um, but we've got, you know, we've got a sixth-year um, senior coming back that plays left field. We've got a fifth-year senior coming back um, to play first base or second base. Um, and then we have a grad transfer from UC Davis coming back for his sixth year um, to finish it, up his eligibility and Logan Denholm, one of uh, Orlando's good buddies. Um, but we, we only have 37 on our roster. Um, and that's a testament to, to us, you know, just really truly believing in the guys that we have uh, coming in originally um, and the guys that we have coming back um, and the guys that we have coming in. So the, the, the trust that we have in the recruiting process um, of not over recruiting um, and not the feeling of, you know, uh, of our current players saying, I better play good or they're going to recruit someone over me. Um, I think that it's always good. And going back to the sustainability of players um, playing really early in their career sets them up for success later in their career. Um, I, th- I think back to my freshman year at UC Davis um, and Orlando talked about it. We went to the uh, division two college world series um, and I got to catch, um, you know, once or twice a week, um, cause we were playing back in division two was game Friday, doubleheader Saturday, game Sunday with a, with a midweek game. So I was catching one or two games and, and, and I started hitting pretty good. And so I started playing a little bit of outfield. And then all of a sudden my sophomore year, like I find myself playing every day, whether it's catcher or DH or outfield or first base. And then Short by the style. time I get to be a junior and now all of a sudden I'm catching every day. Um, and I, you know, I was ready for that. Um, so I think it's important to see how everybody, um, you know, reacts to maybe having a, a, a bloated roster and guys not playing as much as they thought they or they hoped. Um, and that's where you might find some programs with a lot of kickbacks on guys that didn't actually have a role um, or lost their role and want to try to go elsewhere. Um, I don't think that we're going to have that case just because I told you, like, we, we feel like we're in a good spot right now um, with our roster size. And um, we're going to have some seniors graduating next year. We're going to have some guys drafted next year. 
Um, so I'm really looking forward to this year because we do have some really good players returning and we have some really good players that are coming in that I'm really excited about. Well, yeah, when, I mean, it sounds like, you know, you guys are definitely going about it the right way. We're, we're not going to name names, but we know that the, the way the system is set up there, you, there are ways to kind of keep guys around and just see, you, you know, Oh, what if this guy hits a growth spurt or what if this guy figures it out, we'll just keep them around. And it, it's really not fair to, like you said, the players, because it's one thing to have fair competition. It's another thing where it's, you, you're just picking and choosing and you're not even getting a, a full look at a guy. And then next thing you know, they never yep. even got to play to their potential. So I can't stress enough how, um, you know, refreshing that is and how much I respect the program for that. And also it goes, it's a testament to just the coaches being honest as well as if you're not going to play, Hey, you're, you're just not good enough yet or, or whatever the case is and not kind of beating around the bush to make kids feel like they're closer than they are. But then when the lineup comes up and they're not in it, you got to deal with that anyway. Yeah. Cause now they're like, coach, I thought, you know, I thought I was closer here. So yeah. it sounds like you guys are going about it the right way. And uh, yeah, again, thank you for, thank you for joining the show. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the last, the last, you know, the last thing that you just brought, brought up is the, is the trust factor. Like, like I told you, like we build that transparency through the recruiting process. And when you're here on campus, that transparency is there too. Um, if you're, if you're not, um, you know, in the starting lineup consistently, you're going to know why, and you need to know what it's going to take for you to get consistent playing. So I think it's important to have that transparency, um, cause it, it'll, in the long run, like we are building a really good baseball program, but we're also building up really impressive young men that are going to do great things, you know, when their husbands, fathers, um, and, and working in the, you know, the business world or, you know, they're, they, they become a coach or anything that they decide to do after baseball is over. Um, and we, that's what we are truly building towards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, stuff. that's really what, what college, what college sports is all about. Like, uh, you know, you love right. the games. Like I remember my, my great outings. I remember obviously my terrible outings, but like the, the coolest part is just like, you know, playing with your best friends and, and being in college. Yep. With them. Yep. Like that's, that's, really and then, cool. and then having your best friends, having your best friends over when they have three kids and you're 15 years out of playing and you're still having the funny tech group, tech group chats with your best friends that, you know, you may be miles and miles away, but you feel like you're back in your dorm room or back in your apartment. Um, you know, just by saying one little thing or seeing something on TV pop up, that's, that's what, that's what college baseball really does for you. No. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. I still, I still have them today. Um, and, and I'm sure everyone does here, but we really appreciate the time. Once again, uh, coach Tyler Latore, pitching coach at Sac state. Um, this was a lot of fun. And, and, you know, if you'd like to, we'd love to have you on when, when hopefully this, this ordeals all over and you're ramping up for season. Yeah. Anytime you need anything, I, I really appreciate the time and I appreciate what you guys do. Um, to bring, um, you know, good knowledge and awareness to this great game um, that has done so much for me. And so I, I really appreciate you guys reaching out and getting me on the show and um, looking forward to doing it whenever you guys want to have me back. Nice. Appreciate it. Really quick. Who's the nastiest pitcher yeah. you ever uh, caught? Just real, real quick. Um, Lincecum was the dirtiest guy. We both got, we both signed in 2006 with the Giants. Um, Tim Lincecum was, 
ridiculously talented. Um, his ball um, broke so late, and you never really knew until the ball got to the plate which direction it was going, whether it was going to be a fastball, a split finger, a curveball, or a slider, or whatever he was throwing that day. Um, yeah, Lipscomb was, was really, really talented. Yeah, he was all right. He was all right. He was pretty good. Um, but, yeah, anyway, well, once again, appreciate the time, uh, Coach, and, and, and we look no forward problem. to having you on again. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.